Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Video mock draft of the season, roughly three weeks away from round one. Hayden Winks, it's time. You are driving the ship today. Picks one through 31. The people can find your written mock draft in the description down below. We're going to go through a mock draft simulator here in a moment. And again, these are your picks. All the pressure's on you. This show is basically you calling me out on my bullshit. (laughs) What could go wrong? I'm glad we get that out ahead of time. We will have future mocks, obviously, next week. I'm proposing to Hayden we do maybe like a dual mock draft where we rotate picks. Then the next week, a week before the draft, I'll have one. And then obviously, I don't know, three or four that final week. But I go I that last wait. week. It is this time of the season, this time of the year, our favorite. All right, kicking it off. Panthers number one. Who do you have? I have a CJ Stroud. The betting markets have it at like minus 320, the like 80% odds. I think that's roughly the correct odds here. Go watch the CJ Stroud episode uh, with Josh McCown and Josh Norris. I think that he's the best quarterback after looking at both of their tape. Uh, he's the safest play, fits the system, all that stuff. Unless you have any reasons to not think it's CJ Stroud, like we kind of said earlier, we're not. It's not a guarantee, but I still think he's a favorite. I, I love this time of year, though, where there's still indecision and uncertainty around that number one pick. I mean, last year we did not know you and I until I would say the weekend before, just ahead of it, that it was going to be Trayvon Walker as the number one pick. So, like this conversation, we don't have to know it right now. I guarantee you, we all will know it by the time the draft rolls around. And I just think it was super smart by the Panthers to already trade up to number one, because as we have seen in every single pro day and interaction after that, they are literally in the front of the line. They have a front row seat. And if you're picking at number nine during that time, the prospect could say, no, I'm going to have dinner with X, Y, and Z ahead of you. So just being able to have that seat at the table ahead of everyone else allows them to have that full information. And final note, I'll say this. I would be shocked if Frank Reich, and Josh McCown disagree on Correct. the top quarterback in this class. And I think Frank Reich is the one that is driving the ship. now. And I think that they discussed this before McCown took the job as well. I'm sure that they kind of had this locked in. Um, for number two, two. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to uh, Bryce Young here. This is the obvious pick. That's what the betting markets have. Uh, NFL draft analyst Lance Zierlein. He's the guy I pay attention with the Texan stuff. He's got massive connections down there. He had Derek Stingley at fourth overall last year, which was a bold call at the time. He has Bryce Young in his mock drafts here frequently. The last time he put the Panthers with Bryce Young uh, and he had the Texans not even take a quarterback. It seems like the Texans love Bryce Young. So I'm sticking with the consensus here going with the Alabama quarterback. We know Slowick comes from Kyle Shanahan and the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, D'Amico Ryan spent a bunch of time in that coaching staff, too. That offense in San Francisco was definitely built over the middle of the field. And I would say of the smaller quarterbacks that we have seen in recent years, Bryce Young is not afraid to test the middle of the field. He definitely has vision in that area. I'm not saying it's going to be a carbon copy of that style of offense, but again, quarterbacks of this type of stature have had that held against them. And I don't know if I would do that with Bryce Young. 
Um, the other note is NFL Network's James Palmer. He said that the Texans are only looking at Young and Stroud at this pick. So I've seen some like, what if they take Anthony Richardson? It seems like that's not in consideration here. And they also have a pick at number 12 that we'll get to in a moment. And your boy Lance, who I've known for like a decade at this point, uh, did have this galaxy brain theory that maybe they take a positional player at number two and then the quarterback, they move up from like 12 to seven or something like that. But I, I would be stunned if it's not quarterback, quarterback. Okay, Hayden, let's have that conversation now at pick number three, because this is the real pivot point of the draft after the Panthers trade up to number one. Talk through a few scenarios here with the Arizona Cardinals at three. So I asked this question, who's going to be the team that values Anthony Richardson and Will Levis enough to jump the Colts and that team that does come up, are they both liking the same players as they think the Colts do as well? And I floated it out there and uh, at least people that follow me think there's about like a 40% chance that they try to trade this pick, but are unable to find somebody to match that. So I went through with some of these teams and this is how I would rank the teams and their probability of trading up. I would say number one would be the lions. They have the draft capital. Jared Goff's contract does not have many guarantees beyond this year. Uh, compare them to like the Seahawks. Geno Smith does have some guaranteed money. The Seahawks also have um, a 71-year-old head coach, and they might have a chance to win that division because that division is not as good. So I would put the Lions number one. The Raiders, uh, they uh, Jimmy G has like $11 million in guarantees. Um, they have already been connected to like that first overall pick, but I'm not sure if they like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis enough. So I would put Lions one, Raiders two, Colts three, then the Seahawks like that a lot the lions and we'll get to them in a moment because they're at pick number six and it's not by their own doing you know like they they were so much better than a lot of expectations that the trade with the rams put them in the slot and because of that with a young roster with great coaching i continue to say that it would be very unlikely for them to be selecting around that six spot heck maybe even the top 14 overall for the next few seasons so when you're in this position Take your chance. Take the opportunity to try to find that long-term starter at quarterback because it's going to be much more difficult any other year to do it now. That means they would have to fall in love with Richardson or Levis and all that, and that's a whole nother conversation. But I I'm with you that the Lions, I think, are best positioned to make a shocking move up to number three. And comparing them to the Seahawks, the Seahawks are going to be in a spot, we'll get to it in my mock draft, where either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson is going to be there, and both of them check the team needs there. So... For this mock draft, I'm staying put with the Cardinals here, and I'm giving them Will Anderson. They need edge rushers. Will Anderson is the consensus uh, pick up here. I'm going to stick with it for now. I think it's about 50-50 that the Cardinals actually find a trade partner. I don't think it's the layup that everyone's assuming just because I'm not completely convinced at this point that the NFL loves Anthony Richardson and Will Levis as much as some of us have been kind of putting on. Number one. As you outlined, the Cardinals need to get more draft capital because even in-house, they know that their team sucks. Like yep. their, their team is going to be odds are the worst team in the league next season. Like punt on offense because they've tried to add so much over the last few years there. And one note I want to keep in mind is I see a lot of Philadelphia Eagles-like decision-making in terms of player and personnel linked to Jonathan Gannon. I don't know if I would necessarily do that because Jonathan Gannon is not calling this defense. He's kind of taking the CEO approach. And he really didn't spend that much time in the Eagles organization. It was mm -hmm. just, what, two seasons? So while the Eagles definitely, and Harry Roseman at the top, and it trickles down from there, prioritize just certain positions, one, the Cardinals need everything. Yeah. And two, it, 
it really might be a different mindset with which they are drafting versus just pulling from the Eagles tree, if that makes sense. Yep, I completely agree. All right, number four, we have the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I'm going with Anthony Richardson here. Um, Their GM during the combine said that they don't think they have to trade up to get the quarterback prospect that they want. I think it's pretty risky for a team to trade up for Anthony Richardson if they're going to have to trade future first-round picks. Um, I think they can possibly stay down and get somebody that's going to fit. Talking about uh, old coaching staff, Shane Steichen with Jalen Hurts really maximized that rushing potential, and obviously that's the Anthony Richardson profile here. So um, this is about where I think he's going to go, Anthony Richardson. I hope it is uh, to the Colts or the Lions. I think both of those long-term would be pretty fun. Love this. Oftentimes when we consider a quarterback's athleticism or quote-unquote arm talent that's connected to that player's ceiling, Shane Steichen and the Eagles have shown that it can actually be a player's four. We've also seen yep. it with Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears. We've seen it with other quarterbacks in the past. So using those strengths, again, with the athleticism, with a big arm, um, to then create a floor of an offense and production and style. And then once the other parts of the game, it's slowing down and attacking the middle of the field, the 5-10 yard area for Anthony Richardson, then that raises the ceiling. So it's almost the inverse, I think, yep. of how it's been thought about in the past. Yeah, and the Lamar Jackson conversation, it seems like nobody likes Lamar Jackson as much as the Ravens kind of do, which is kind of an interesting thing that they're not willing to pay Lamar what he wants and give up the draft capital. So I think both of us agree that it's, for right now, it's very likely that the Ravens stay. But I will say the Colts, though, would be the team I'd keep an eye out for if something changed there. Number five, Seattle Seahawks, another team that is in this position without their own doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to say best player available. The consensus boards have Jalen Carter there. Uh, I was kind of looking into this to see if he's going to drop for those off the field issues. Uh, he and his agent decided that they're not going to take top 30 visits from teams picking outside of the top 10. So that's a good sign that they, they think he's going to be top 10. And just like as a reminder, a couple of years ago, Jeffrey Simmons, who's similar prospect to Jalen Carter, he tore his ACL pre-draft and he had that incident um, where he was hitting a woman on film. And he still went 19th overall. So, like, if the off-the-field stuff happens before the draft, then I don't think he's going to fall out that far. So, I think he's going to be best player available. He's going to fit in that defense perfectly. And that defense was not very good last year. I think that he would be kind of one of the missing pieces to possibly sneak up with the 49ers for that division. Two things I want to talk about. One, not taking visits from teams outside the top 10 is interesting when you consider that maybe one of these teams outside the top 10 could trade up for him on draft day and – it seems not smart. <laughs> well, it, these agents have been doing this a lot longer right. than I have. Let's I think it's Rosenhaus too. So. Okay. Uh, second, the Seattle Seahawks, when you just go through their draft history, and I do this all the time when building these mock drafts, um, they love to select prospects who have gone through adversity. I mean, you can go to the Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin. You can go even to Malik McDowell at Michigan State. And those are kind of maybe the two opposites where sometimes it works out and really sometimes it doesn't. In McDowell's case, who like barely played it down for them. So uh, Jalen Carter's story and everyone's story is very different. And I thought his pro day was garbage, but you can also uh, understand it with how much he is going through at this time. Some by, you know, his doing getting these warrants and some not, right? So it, it's an intriguing scenario, but by all the verbiage coming out of the NFL, it would be shocking, I think, to disagree with Drew Rosenhaus that he would fall out of the top 10. He would know best. Uh, the other note, uh, Drew Locke's making $4 million, which is a lot for a backup. So 
if they're going to be getting a quarterback, like they've like mismanaged their uh, at least uh, free agency dollars from this last year. So I think they're going to go best player available here and they have the draft spot to get them. Final note, they are taking photos and selfies with every top quarterback prospect. I think this is playing it up a little bit. Um, it's gamesmanship, I believe, but we'll find out in a couple weeks. Detroit Lions at number six. So I went with Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher, big edge rusher that can go opposite Aiden Hutchinson. So they still definitely need one of them. I was considering one of the corners. Um, they did address the position somewhat. They have Nickel and Cameron Sutton, uh, CB2, Emmanuel Mosley. He's on a one-year deal, though. Same thing with Jeff Okuda. So I think they can go Devin Witherspoon here because he kind of fits that mentality and the skill set that they're looking for in Detroit. But ultimately, I'm going with Tyree Wilson. He's just ranked higher on all these boards fits a team need and they still have this other first round pick that we can address the other needs afterwards. Yeah. Constantly. And before free agency, this was selected a cornerback over and over and over again. Uh, Jeff Okuda just continues to miss a whole bunch of time, obviously towards Achilles, what his rookie season had his moments like against Justin Jefferson, but that was some specialized coverage. And it's clear that they wanted to add to that position just quickly. This secondary is loaded for this year. Okay, you mentioned it with Cam Sutton, which is a large contract. Mosley, who's played a lot for San Francisco on that one year deal. Obviously, they have to worry about the fifth year option of Jeff Okuda. But then I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson will probably play the slot for them. And then at safety, you have Kirby Joseph and even Tracy Walker. People have forgotten about, but he got a second contract after missing all of last season. So I don't think it's the number one need. And I'm with you like as a base defensive end, Tyree Wilson and Aiden Hutchinson would work out. And then you have, you know a pick last year in James Houston, a six rounder. Who's a really, really fun, like spot opportunity pass rusher to come in and, and get his team off the field. So that's a nice trio to rush the passer. Yeah. I, I think that, I think the lions most likely will try to win with Jared Goff. Um, but they're the dark horse for that number three spot. Pick number seven, Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm going with Devin Witherspoon here and uh, him and Christian Gonzalez are fighting for that CB one spot. I would actually think that Christian Gonzalez has the better chance to be the first one. But when I'm looking at just who's going to fit in what system, Devin Witherspoon, I'm looking at with the Raiders, the Raiders were top 10 in man coverage rate and Christian Gonzalez comes from a zone background. Devin Witherspoon's more in your face, aggressive style. I'm going to alpha you played way more man coverage than Christian Gonzalez. So I included which teams would possibly like one versus the other just based off of scheme fit. Now, I will say Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon are both smart enough and athletic enough to play in either system. So uh, I'm not completely set on this, um, but I, I do think that the Raiders have obviously massive needs at cornerback. Quickly, just on Devin Witherspoon, the prospect, I know he's coming from Illinois, which some people might view differently than like the LSU secondary or Alabama Illinois has been loaded the last two years along their defensive back group. I just mentioned Kirby Joseph, who had an awesome rookie season with the Detroit Lions. They have another defensive back in Quan Martin this year, who's a great athlete who will be probably taken in the middle rounds. And obviously, Witherspoon at the top. And I think there's another player as well. So it's almost their entire secondary of starters will go on to maybe get starting jobs in the league as well. And you can rarely say that at the NFL level. Yep. Was that Lovey Smith? Was that his uh, recruiting? <laughs> it might have been. It might have been all the way back with Lovey. All right. Pick number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. So they're going to be Christian Gonzalez. I think they're in a good spot. Uh, they definitely need cornerback help and edge rushing help if they are really not considering a quarterback upgrade, which it seems like they just like Desmond Ritter. They gave Taylor Heineke legit money. So Christian Gonzalez is the one that falls. I think that 
Tyree Wilson would be on their board. Same thing with Devon Witherspoon. Both of them are gone. So I'm just going with Christian Gonzalez. He'll op- he'll line up opposite AJ Terrell. Okay. What is happening right now, Hayden, is Will Levis is falling. I don't want to touch on the elephant in the room, but we know that ESPN and NFL Network, when it gets to this moment, would be doing this. So I just want the people at home to be aware of that. We still have one of these quote-unquote top four quarterbacks, and I think this is actually possible. Um, the Falcons are, are fascinating, just to go back to them, because they're in this position where it's year three of Arthur Smith, and I still can't exactly tell you an ideal Arthur Smith offense or styling of his team and they go defense here you know so is is arthur smith willing in year three which is honestly probably a make or break across the league for these first-time head coaches uh to bypass his offense and instead just go with another defensive player i will say i think when arthur smith took the job they still had that huge matt ryan contract and i think that he's going to get more patience especially if they're um at least in the mix here with Desmond Ritter for a playoff spot. The division's not very good. So, and their defense has been horrendous for, I don't know, a full decade now. So it would make some sense here. Uh, maybe they still are in the Ryan Tannehill market, but we'll get to the Tennessee Titans quarterback situation in a couple picks. And it does make sense when you're looking at just the pieces on offense, because they, you know, were able to re-sign Chris Lindstrom. Um, they obviously have gone after Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Even at running back, they've been productive in the past, and maybe some make the connection here to Bijan Robinson, where the implementation, other than with their new defensive coordinator bringing in some players he's known quite well, and Caden Ellis and David Onyemata on the defensive side, they definitely have to beef it up there. Okay, Chicago Bears, number nine. Yeah, I'm giving them Paris Johnson here. It seems like he's starting to trend up to be the consensus top offensive tackle prospect. I kind of went one by one with the tackle prospects just to kind of figure out which ones are going to be matching up stylistically, left tackle versus right tackle. Paris Johnson's got like the longest arms in the world, a plus athlete, obviously has that connection with Justin Fields coming from Ohio State. He makes a ton of sense here. I think that Peter Skaronsky, who's the other one that was in the mix here, uh, I just don't think that he has the left tackle chops uh, he might be more of a guard, and right now the Bears' interior offensive line is better than their left tackle. The Bears are in this weird spot where a bunch of the players that will probably start next year have played in multiple positions. Like Tevin Jenkins was a tackle in college, and now his best position is guard. Cody Whitehair's played all along the offensive line, and he's probably moving back or playing some center this year. Braxton Jones was like a pretty fine fifth-round pick. Um, and maybe he can be your swing tackle this season. It's weird, you know, because they also signed Nate Davis. Um, so Paris Johnson, there is going to be a tackle. It's not the type of class, I would say, at the top that we saw with the top three last year and Icky, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross. But as we saw, it is so difficult to find in free agency, and the Bears make total sense that here at number nine, after trading back from one, to land the top one on their board. All righty. Okay, Philadelphia Eagles, pick number 10. How unfair. How unfair, Harry Roseman. Yeah, I'm sticking with Peter Skaronsky here, who is like a left tackle, possible left guard. Um, They lost Isaac Saimalu, so there's a chance that Peter Skaronsky would be the left guard this year, and then he would also be insurance to left tackle Jordan Mailata. Um, Some of the prospect uh, evaluators think that there's a chance like Peter Skaronsky could be like an all-pro level guard. And the Eagles always build from the trenches and outward, aside from the quarterback spot. And I just think that he could possibly be best player available. The consensus draft boards have Skaronsky as a 10th overall player. 
Okay. We have seen offensive linemen selected in the first round by Howie. All you can do is look at Andre Dillard um, a couple years ago. It's a fascinating team because prior to free agency, I thought that the Eagles would have many more holes on their team, whether it be defensive tackle or or cornerback. But, you know, they brought back Fletcher Cox. They did lose Javon Hargrave. Then at corner, they brought back James Bradbury and Darius Slay. On weird contracts, I can't really decipher on over the cap because I'm a novice and they use all these void years. Um, all I can say is I would be shocked if this was the location for B. John Robinson, despite, I don't know, 55% of the mock drafts out there saying that this is the landing spot and a luxury pick mm-hmm. for the Eagles. Your thoughts? Yeah, the Eagles don't make luxury picks. That's just Correct. not how they go. I, I I was looking at edge rushers. Like, I think Lucas Van Ness would be interesting here. For sure. Um, Nolan Smith would kind of be the exact player like Hassan Reddick is. So perhaps he's a eventual replacement there. And they always just build through the trenches. So I'm going to stick with offense here. And I think that there's going to be some edge rushers and defensive tackles available for that 30th overall pick. Yeah, I might even lean edge rusher because I think this is either close to the end of Josh Sweat's contract. Um, obviously, Brandon Graham was just brought back for another year. And um, Lucas Van Ness makes a ton of sense to me because mm-hmm. I, I actually think a guard, Cam Jurgens, who is going to be the heir apparent to Jason Kelsey, will probably fill in that guard spot along the starting lineup this year. All right. Pick number 11, Tennessee Titans. So this is where I have Will Levis. Uh, it seems like people are kind of split. There's some think that he can drop to 19 to like the Bucks. There's some people that link him up. With the Vikings at 23, some people think that he has a chance to go third or fourth overall here. I split the damn difference, put him at uh, Tennessee. They can get out of Ryan Tannehill's contract with the trade. They would save almost $18 million if they did that. There's a chance they just keep uh, Ryan Tannehill and let Will Levis learn from him for this year. But the Titans, I know that they've been kind of flirting around with that third overall pick and trading up for it. They only have six draft picks. They don't have a fourth rounder. They don't have any compensatory picks. Uh, And... Does like Rand Carthon, first year GM, want to make that bold move in the first year when he probably has a year to kind of just evaluate the roster? I'm not sure. I think they're going to let the board come to him. But Will Levis, stylistically uh, and personality wise, seems like a perfect fit with Mike Vrabel, just like run through your face. Um, so I'm going to stick with Will Levis and split the difference. We're sitting here on April 5th, and I find it very difficult to gauge the NFL's perception of Will Levis. Like there might be a handful of coaches, positional or offensive coordinators who love his game and loved what he showed in 2021. Um, Obviously his body broke down a little bit in 2022 and then his game broke down because of it. Um, It's one where I just struggled to know. I I think he's going to go closer to this spot. Let's put it this way. Then he will the fourth overall pick. I agree. And the one thing I come back to is this 2021 year where he had the NFL uh, offensive coordinator. He had Wandale Robinson. His numbers were a little bit better. He could have come out. That was the draft class with just Kenny Pickett and then basically a bunch of scrubs. If the NFL loved Will Levis, why didn't he come out last year? And then he comes back to college this previous year and is hurt and has maybe his worst season uh, in college. So I'm not sure. I think some team will take a chance on him. Um, but I'm with you. I don't see the fourth overall. I think like Anthony Richardson's tape is way better than Will Levis, and he's way younger. Final point, the drafting of Malik Willis in the third round last year unequivocally does not prevent the Titans from selecting a quarterback this year. Like I don't think he'll make the team. I I think that that's potentially a fair, fair conclusion there. Okay. Houston Texans with their second first round pick at number 12. 
So I had a galaxy brain that why don't the Texans just trade up the three and get Will Anderson? Because obviously D'Amico Robinson wants a premier edge rusher. They do not have that with the Texans. Uh, instead of galaxy braining, I'm going with Lucas Van Ness, uh, an edge rusher that they can kind of build on. He probably needs a little bit work, but the Texans, their time horizon is so long-term. So get the quarterback and then get D'Amico Ryan's a piece that he wants on his defense. Van Ness is a fascinating player. One who I've compared to Preston Smith, long, explosive. Um, I know people have watched his tape and kind of come out with two different conclusions at times, but we've also seen with D'Amico Ryan's is just like the mass and the girth and the athleticism that the 49ers play with. And I think that that's very different than maybe a Nolan Smith. I wouldn't yes. be shocked if it is someone like Nolan, but if we just go by the type that D'Amico and Robert Sala and that entire defense has gone with, and even for agents that they pull in, if it's, you know, what Arden key or Jordan Willis, these are, Big guys that thick. can move. Yep. They're thick. And Lucas Van Ness is 100% one of those. I just started scanning mock drafts, and sometimes he's not even included in the first round. I would be shocked if that's the case. Yeah, the consensus draft boards, he's 13th overall. And by the way, uh, Lance Airline, once again, very close to the Texans, he had this one mocked. There we go. Pick 13. Here are the New York Jets. And I would, I would assume that the Jets are able to hold on to this pick yes. after whenever the Aaron Rodgers trade does happen. I agree with that. So I think offensive line certainly makes sense. But Makai Becton's po been posting some thirst traps. Again. He's looking like he's back on track. So instead, I'm going to go with the defensive line. Obviously, we're talking about a similar backstory to what we just had with the Texans. I'm going Nolan Smith. Get a. They already have a bunch of meat on that offensive line. Get a Nolan Smith in there to, to attack uh, the pass on third downs. Definitely smaller, but he's an elite, elite athlete. Um, and I think that he would be a good complement to some of the big guys they have uh, down the middle. And while Carl Lawson was up and down, let's say, last year, this is basically going to be the last season for him on his contract. Uh, other than that, you have Jermaine Johnson, who I think the team projected and evaluated as a top 15 pick last year. Obviously, they traded back in the first round for him last year. And then you brought John Franklin Myers back, who's almost a Swiss Army do it all type player. So yeah, maybe someone like Nolan Smith here for Robert Sala to interchange and create some havoc off the edge does make sense. I will say TMZ reported that Aaron Rodgers was seen looking at healing crystals. That might be because mm. he checked out the offensive tackle depth chart on the jets right now, because as you said, it's Makai Becton. It's about 42 year old Dwayne Brown. On the other side, it's Mac Mitch Max Mitchell, a fourth rounder and then Eric Smith and Greg Sinnott. He can't judge the age of his tackle, though. You know, that's not very fair, right? Um, the other note I had is Daniel Jeremiah, who I think is like best friends with Joe Douglas. He had this mocked uh, in his last one as well. There we go. New England Patriots at pick 14. Always an intriguing one and almost a crossroads moment for Bill Belichick. Yeah, he likes big, thick dudes from the SEC. He likes a good, strong offensive line. Their offensive line was whack last year. It really tanked the entire offense. You bring in Bill O'Brien, then you go find a potential left tackle in Broderick Jones here from Georgia. Great athlete, big redshirt sophomore, has a chance to be the top offensive tackle in this class. He's supposed to go 12th overall, according to the consensus big boards out there. Um, I would love this fit. Don't don't connect Bijan Robinson here. They have much bigger needs. I know, I know that everyone keeps saying it, but this would make way more sense for their team rather than Bijan. 
Today was the first time I had seen the Bijan to the Patriots connection. Jeff Howe of The Athletic, who seems to be very connected to the New England Patriots, says they are still sniffing around blue chip running backs, even though they view Ramondre Stevenson as the focal point of that rushing attack. The Patriots did try to like fix offensive line a little bit in free agency. I mean, they brought in Riley Reef, who started on both sides. Calvin Anderson, who has some starting experience there, as you said, it was a huge worrisome spot for them last season and nothing could get going until that offensive line was fixed. So yeah, Daniel Jeremiah also had Bijan mocked to the Patriots. So that, that can with the athletic column kind of is raising some eyebrows at least. Um, I really feel like if we go through Mike crafts, you know, quotes during owners meetings that if Bill Belichick doesn't make the playoffs this year, he's out and it's yeah. over to Gerard Mayo, which is interesting. And I think, yes. I think Bill kind of feels it. I think he feels it. Yep. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have. And you realize that the library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right. Three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals slash underdog. Green Bay Packers 15. So I was looking for a pass catcher here and I decided let's go troll Aaron Rodgers by going with a first round wide receiver and let's take Jackson Smith and Jigba. I'm still debating if this is the perfect scheme fit for them. I'm kind of concerned that the Packers aren't going to run enough three wide receiver sets where Jackson Smith and Jigbo would most shine. But he is a consensus number one wide receiver. He's like minus 250 to be the first wide receiver in the draft. The Packers um, would get a compliment to Christian Watson. Watson, JSN, completely different players, obviously. So there is um, room for a compliment. Plus their depth at wide receiver is really, really, really bad. So I'm going to go JSN here. This is kind of the range where I think that uh, he'll go off the board. We have a whole profile on Jackson Smith and Jigba on the channel. Hopefully you've checked out all of those running back and wide receiver prospects. Brian Gutekunst and the Packers for years have really thresholds at certain positions, whether it be defensive end, whether it be cornerback, whether it be offensive lineman, whether it be wide receiver. I do not know those parameters yet for this season. And if they apply to Jackson Smith and Jigba, and if that even holds for a slot receiver, but uh, Christian Watson is definitely going to be one of those guys. And we're not sure who the other one is. It could be Romeo Dobbs or it could be a rookie in JSN. Yep. I was looking at some of the tight ends too. I think Michael Mayer makes some sense in that range too. Dalton Kincaid. Washington commanders pick 16. So this is where I'm going to slide in Bijan Robinson. I was looking at the, uh, what the general manager has done uh, with Washington. He was the the Lions general manager back in the 2000s. And he drafted six different running backs in the first three rounds while he was the either GM or the assistant GM. 
Uh, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, they led to the 29th ranking in yards per carry last year. I think you can get the blue chip player in quotes excuse here from Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera is coaching for his job with new ownership there. And he's definitely run the ball. Don't turn the ball over win with defense. I can see this being the perfect spot for the commanders to take uh, the only premier running back in the class. Yeah, they added to their offensive line with Andrew Wiley at right tackle. Sam Cosme will probably shift on over to right guard. Um, it's not just, as you said, Martin Mayhew at GM. It's, we know, Marty Herney, general manager, giving contracts out to D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart, and Ron Rivera was the coach during that period. And then it was also the coach when they drafted Christian McCaffrey in the top 10 as well. So it makes a ton of sense. And while Brian Robinson offers some positives, while Antonio Gibson offers some positives, he's also in a contract year, it doesn't seem like they want to hitch their wagon to Gibson long-term. And this could be the player to be the identity of their offense other than Terry McLaurin. Yeah, just turn uh, Brian Robinson into Roshan Johnson and ride it off with Bijan. Pick 17, Pittsburgh Steelers. So I want to find an offensive tackle here, but I don't see the value there. Instead, I'm going to go to cornerback Deontay Banks. Uh, he flew up because of a massive NFL combine. The Steelers definitely need some cornerback help, especially long term. They just brought him in for a top 30 official visit as well. He's supposed to go in this range. I think that he would be a perfect Steeler. Athleticism. I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers have gone with athletic players in the past. Obviously, right now, it's just Minka Fitzpatrick in that secondary that everyone loves. And they've even lost, what, Cam Sutton and a few other yep. pieces across Edmonds as well. They did bring in Patrick Peterson. Who better? Who better to Perfect. teach a young corner than Pat Pete? Yep. Love it. Uh, I will say. Line. Go ahead. With, with the Steelers, if they address the offensive tackle spot in this draft, I think they're a sneaky team that could take a decent leap on offense. They have so many young players and they've already addressed some of the interior offensive line. If they can get, if they can hit on a tackle prospect, that would be my number one priority for him. Just the board didn't kind of fall right for him. Yeah. I mean, it's Dan Moore at left tackle right now. And yeah, Chooks Okorafor at uh right tackle. I mean, they spent on Isaac Sayamalo in free agency this year after James Daniels last year. I'm, I'm just a little nervous about like what the peak is of oh, for sure. the, the Steelers offense, but at least a different coordinator doing it this year right yeah okay no, no it's not <laughs> no, we wish <laughs> that was a joke <laughs> okay <laughs> detroit lions just keep it on your toes hayden detroit lions at number 18 with their second first round pick yeah i'm gonna go with joey porter uh a cornerback here so we already talked about them going with tyree wilson earlier now they address that cornerback spot get some depth he'll probably be the number four or at least battle with mosley uh, but like we said, Akuda Mosley, both outside corners, they're only signed for 2023. Joey Porter supposed to go 16th overall, according to the consensus draft boards. Comes from NFL blood. I think that he's going to be a perfect candidate for the knee-biting Dan Campbells. Okay. Intriguing. Now, would this pick potentially be involved in a move up earlier? Maybe not, because that's just a couple selections. The lines like are have been so good at drafting under Brad Holmes that I think they could also be one of these teams a la the Philadelphia Eagles that almost plans for the future in terms of not just the 2023 season and filling needs, but 2024. Mm -hmm. And this would be certainly doing that. I, I would also throw out there, maybe tackle doesn't fit in terms of best player available, 
but I believe it is Taylor Decker's final year under contract and he'll be what 30 or 31 years old. So maybe that's a position you plan for in the future as well. This is the range where tight ends are supposed to go and their tight end depth chart is completely barren, but was the TJ Hawkinson trade a sign that they don't value the position? Was that something about TJ Hawkinson? Yeah. They got like a, they basically got a, a second round pick for D, for TJ Hawkinson, who's going to sign a massive contract here. Like, do you think they would like draft Michael Mayer, who is pretty similar to the TJ Hawkinson profile here? I was almost thinking that, but I decided against it. I believe that was more of their in-house valuation of TJ Hawkinson and how they probably weren't going to sign him to a long-term deal when that was necessary. And so they were yeah. like, hey, let's let's get what we want um, versus maybe the, the position. But, I mean, again, they traded up for Jamison Williams last year. They really don't have that third wide receiver on the team. I know they just brought back Marvin Jones, but that would have been nice five years ago. Yeah, so when he, he goes to Marvin Jones. Jones. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next up, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 19. I mean, what are we supposed to do with these Bucs? Like, I can't figure them out. They, like, seem like they're tanking with their quarterback decisions, but they also had no money to spend. They actually were, were, uh, were able to re-sign some players I didn't think they were going to be able to, which is kind of yeah. like an all, it's like a, I think what it is, is the GM and the head coach are this close to getting fired. So I think that they're going to be trying to play for the, the 2023 season and, Maybe Baker Mayfield's so bad that they actually tank for Caleb Williams. Anyways, give me give them Michael Meyer. They've been using uh, tight ends in the last couple of years with this offense. Obviously, with Gronk, they brought in Kyle Rudolph on a bigger deal for a number two. They drafted Kate Otten, but I think Kate Otten's definitely a blocking type. Uh, Michael Meyer can kind of do it all. So this is the typical range he's supposed to go in. I really can't figure out what the damn Buccaneers are supposed to do. So I'm just going to slide him in with the tight end for now. Well, they did draft two tight ends last year, didn't they? Like, But late. And like the, the one guy's like uh, like a fullback. Kate on was one, a fourth round pick. One was, yeah, the first pick of the fourth round, 106 overall. And then Keith, like you said, um, is is a sixth rounder, 39th in that round. So I don't know if like tight end would be number one. for My big question for the Bucks is this. After shipping away Donovan Smith and cutting him, and it was about yeah. time, is Tristan Wirfs going to move to left tackle and they right. could take someone like Darnell Wright to play right tackle? That's my big thing. I think their biggest issue right now, aside from quarterback, is the left tackle spot. But like you said, the tackles that are best available at this point have been right tackles, unless you're going to go Anton Harrison, who was a left tackle for Oklahoma. But this is much earlier than where Harrison is typically mocked. So I was in a tough spot here. The Bucks' offensive line just fell apart last year. Some because of you know players moving away, and then obviously Ryan Jensen getting injured on the first day of camp. Yeah, I mean I've never even heard of their left tackle depth right now. And Brandon Walton, J Justin Cool, and Dylan Cook, uh, according, according to our lads at this moment. So I wouldn't be shocked if, and I believe Darnell Wright has some left tackle experience if my memory yes. is serving. So may, maybe that would be a fit here. Yeah, I, I've definitely considered it, but I right. saved Darnell Wright to like the perfect. Oh, fit in a couple of picks. Just trying to fit the pieces together. Pick number 20, Seattle Seahawks. They certainly do not need an offensive tackle. Uh, no, they yeah, they hit on a bunch of draft picks last year. I'm going giving them edge rusher Miles Murphy. So they get Jalen Carter early and then they get Miles Murphy. They have room for both. I know that they had they've made some additions on the uh, defensive line, but they were horrendous last year rushing the passer. Miles Murphy, I think it was like a big guy that the Seahawks can kind of rally behind. So if they don't get Will Anderson early on. I do think that the Seahawks at 20 would be in the edge market. I also think that they're an underrated candidate 
for one of these wide receivers. They definitely need a third one. Plus, Tyler Lockett is getting up there in age. Curveball. Could this be a Hendon Hooker scenario where they've shown interest in these quarterbacks? You know, Smith's contract certainly does not eliminate them from that option. Is 20 super early for a 25-year-old quarterback coming off an ACL injury? Um, I personally don't think so. Um, by the way, the Hendon Hooker ACL stuff, everyone keeps like saying that he's going to miss the entire season. Like that's not what's supposed to happen. Like he's supposed to be back for training camp. So like people always say like this season's going to be a waste. Not necessarily. Like he has a chance to actually play. Uh, apparently he's crushing the interviews and stuff. I think he's still going to be a second round pick, but I guess there's a chance that, uh, he goes, uh, late round one. And my personal rankings, I have him ranked ahead of Will Levis. Call me crazy, but I thought Hendon Hooker's tape was, was a little bit better. I think this would be a little too early though. Small little note, they do not have Marquise Goodwin back in this roster, and I think Marquise Goodwin played a pretty big role for them at times last year, especially with how Gino wanted to work vertically. Uh, I'm not sure how many of those types fit in this class because you already have DK and Tyra Lockett, and but now like their third wide receiver, it's nobody at the moment. So I would expect one of these early-ish selections for the Seahawks to be a wide receiver or – it's cut down days. Sometimes this summer they'll add some type of veteran because I, I would highly doubt the, the room stays as it is for yep. wide receiver for them. Completely agree. 21 Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I forced this one in here. Jordan Addison is going to be my pick. He's still ranked as Daniel Jeremiah's wide receiver one. The betting markets have Addison plus 1000 odds of being the wide receiver one. I actually don't uh, hate putting some money down on that one. Uh, the Athletic also has Jordan Addison as their wide receiver one. He's a perfect fit for the Chargers, in my opinion. They need to just surround Justin Herbert while he's on his rookie deal with as much offensive talent and just go out there and try to compete with points with the Chiefs and the Bills and the Bengals. Uh, the big note with Jordan Addison is he originally committed to Maryland and because of a wide receiver coach. That wide receiver coach, because Maryland had all those scandals, ends up taking his talents to the University of Pitt. That's why Jordan Addison signed with Pitt. Then this wide receiver coach leaves uh, in 2022 to become the Chargers wide receiver coach. Jordan Addison then leaves, happens to also go to LA to become a Trojan. So Jordan Addison and this wide receiver coach have like years of really tight history. Jordan Addison is going to be a player that the Chargers like personality wise. Uh, they've drafted some Trojans. He's right in their backyard. I would love Jordan Addison with Justin Herbert. I think he's a perfect complement to uh, Mike Williams long-term um, as like a small guy that kind of win with space rather than being contested catch guy on back shoulders. Yeah, and I don't think someone like Josh Palmer f- prevents you from taking Jordan Addison in round one. Throw this out there. The Chargers do have size thresholds at positions. I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Addison is a weirdly built player at mm-hmm. 5'11", 173 pounds. So I'll be very interested. I know they have let's say extended those parameters for a couple of prospects in this class. And Jordan Addison might be one of those. All right. After that, charters are done. The Baltimore Ravens, uh, at least they had a quiet off season, Hayden, and just been able to focus on the 22nd overall selection. Facts. Uh, I'm going to help out Lamar Jackson. Who's going to be starting for the Ravens eventually here. And I'm going to give them Quentin Johnston, I think there's a chance that Quentin Johnson's profile is all over the place. And it seems like people are like set in stone that he's going to be a top 20 pick. I'm not sure about that. His three tone three cone time came out 
and it was like bottom like 10th percentile um he didn't run as fast as some people thought his tape i think is very inconsistent his numbers like raw production stuff wasn't as strong as i thought but even with all of that he would still be an upgrade over this wide receiver group that is Rashad Bateman coming off of injury, who I think we still both like to some degree. Then Nelson Aguilar and Devin DuVernay. They need some size. Uh, Quinton Johnson would give them that. They are desperate for wide receiver help. They haven't had the money to spend up in free agency. There hasn't been any wide receiver free agents that are even good enough for this. So you have to roll the dice. Boom, bust, prospect, but the Ravens are running out of options here. Yeah, I mean, I hate this fit, to be honest with you. <laughs> I really do. Um, I don't know... How- how he would fit differently on this team than Rashad Bateman, who yes, hasn't been able to stay on the field, um, but they would almost fill the exact same thing. And we know that the middle of the field is where Lamar does his best work. And I wouldn't say that like Quinton Quinton Johnson has been great in the middle of the field. Um, I also want to bring up that three cone, like you said, uh, because everyone's going to just point to, well, everyone overreacted to DK Metcalf. I would say that there's a big difference Come in on. how DK Metcalf played the game versus Quentin Johnson, who Johnson is what? Six, two, six, two Oh six. Yep. Uh, 208 pounds, 208 yep. pounds. And then doesn't even play to that size versus DK right. Metcalf, who is just an athletic freak who had injuries. And that played a part in his fall. It's a 64 overall. That's the big thing. Everyone always says like, Oh, his three cone is why DK Metcalf felt he had night like neck surgery or he had at least a neck injury, a season-ending neck injury in college. That's why he fell. Go and check out the whole profile on Quentin Johnson on the channel. I think we did our best to explain why. And some people love him. Like, obviously, Mike Renner loves him at PFF. Ben Solak loves him at The Ringer. Um, I have my reservations, I think, is the easiest way of putting it. Okay. Minnesota Vikings here at pick number 23. Uh, they need cornerback help. They have Andrew Booth and Byron Murphy in the slot there, but they still need a number three. Uh, but they also need wide receiver help. And I heard Kevin O'Connell on the NFL Combine watching Zay Flowers. And this is what Kevin O'Connell said about Zay Flowers. He said, we met with Zay. He was phenomenal. When you turn on the tape, you feel that explosive on the field anytime he touches it. So there you go. Simple as that. He already said that he loves Zay Flowers. They need somebody like Zay Flowers who doesn't have to be a number one with Justin Jefferson there can kind of rotate in the slot and outside of the slot like the Vikings do. This is the range that Zay Flowers is supposed to go here. Um, I kind of actually like the fit here too. Me too. Definitely. And it always stands out to me when a team loses a stalwart like Adam Thielen just cuts him and they don't replace him. To me, that shows that their eyes are on the draft at that spot. And we've seen it at times. Last season, they uh, saw bracket coverage on Justin Jefferson, and that's when they went out and got TJ Hawkinson, who's probably that number two guy. But hey, now you have two pieces in Zay Flowers and TJ Hawkinson. Final note, would not be shocked at all. Maybe the Minnesota Vikings as that sleeper team to get involved in the quarterback race, uh, but would not expect it to be Will Levis. Okay, fair enough. The reason why contractually they've kind of cut ties with Kirk Cousins, who has been like rolling over his contract for years, they did not do that this year. So I think they're ready for a post Kirk Cousins world. Is the guy that they want going to be available? I think that they could be a Hendon Hooker team. I think so. Too. We'll see. I, I think that's possible. Jacksonville Jaguars pick number 24. Darn all right. You lose Juwan Taylor at right tackle. You plug him in immediately with the consensus number one right tackle prospect. He's is supposed to go 20th overall now. Um, 
he was a beast and he has inside outside versatility. I'm not sure if they love Walker little. I'm not even sure where they love Walker little at which position, but Darnell, right. We would be one of the top five offensive linemen on the team, protect Trevor Lawrence at all costs. Uh, they don't have like any massive glaring needs in my opinion. So Darnell Wright was the best player available too. Yeah. I think Walker little has like 60 snaps at right tackle and like doesn't have a single start at that spot. Yeah. They might be fine if it didn't fall perfectly like you fit here to keep him at that right tackle. But I also believe that Walker little could have been an urban Meyer selection uh, because urban loved his former top recruits and going mm-hmm. out to Stanford. Walker little was like the number one recruit oh, yeah. in the country. Uh, yeah. nail all the interviews and I'm not saying he's been bad in the NFL. We just haven't really seen him at all. So, uh, I, I don't know if someone like little prevents them from going out and getting an ass kicker like Darnell Wright at right tackle. There is no floors in draft positions, certainly, but Darnell Wright, I'm not sure gets past 24. I think he probably goes ahead of this, but I, I would be surprised if Jacksonville passed on him. Pick 25, the New York giants. I was trying to find a good fit for this player. Brian Branch is safety, not a great athlete. Oh. He's basically not even a safety. He's more of a slot corner as well, but I already know he's going to kick ass in the interviews. He's a really smart, instinctful player. Uh, Brian Dayball obviously has connections to Alabama. I want to get Brian Branch in this mock draft. He's His expected draft position is 23rd overall. Um, yeah, but okay, okay, okay. But expected draft position in early April, I don't know if I agree with that. Because a lot of that is just brought in through the process of January, February, and then we get to the NFL Combine and people are now catching up like still during this period, you know? So I don't know if I love – because Brian Branch is like a really bad athlete. Mm -hmm. So – and that makes me really nervous for a team that, you know, has prioritized athleticism in previous years. Yeah, I would say the top 24 players, I would be surprised if any of them were not first-round picks. Maybe like Quentin Johnston or one of those wide receivers falls. This is the territory where any of these guys can easily not be first-round picks. He, his uh, expected draft position started out like at 13th overall, and now it's been dropping and dropping and dropping. I think that Daniel Jeremiah um, still has him as top 30 player, had him in his uh, latest mock draft as well. So he's battling for that spot. He's holding the line. I, I, I guess my point is April 5th, is much different than like the mock draft consensus on oh yeah April 23rd mm-hmm. you know so i'm like more ready to include the consensus projections on April 23rd than i am on April 5th but yep he'll be right on the border maybe that's just me okay well i got to type him in i was trying to work through my head there okay Brian Branch there it is Giants then pick number 26 the Dallas Cowboys um I'm going to go with Darnell Washington. There's another player where I'm not sure that he's going to go first round, but can't you just see the Jones family just in awe of Darnell Washington, just the size. The other note here is we know that McCarthy definitely is going to want to establish the run here. He's already talked about that a bunch. Uh, One kind of comparison. It's not a fair comparison is like Mercedes Lewis. Who's like a tackle basically. And McCarthy obviously coached him for a decade out in green Bay. Darnell Washington's a freak athlete. Uh, this team loves those type of players. Uh, so I think this would be the sexy pick, uh, Darnell Washington. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what they do at tackle because obviously we saw Tyler Smith start off at guard, play really well, then flip on outside to left tackle and play well there. But now they still have Tyron Smith and I believe still Terrence Steele on the roster. Um, and as you mentioned, like Darnell Washington is one of the most fascinating players in this draft because mm-hmm. his movement at his size is unreal. 
when you look through his athletic profile and then on the field, I don't know if he shows it all that often, but man, he can be a tone setter. And as you said, with Mike McCarthy booting Kellen Moore to the curb because he wanted to put up too many points and maybe uh, wanting to run the football a bit more now, uh, Washington would certainly fit into that model. Yep. Yep. hundred percent agree. Okay. Buffalo Bills pick number 27. Don't really love this. Um, I'm going to go defense tackle Mozzie Smith. He's been rising up draft board. He's a great athlete from Michigan. Uh, his expected draft positions now uh, at 30th overall. He would complement Ed Oliver and Daquan Jones in 2023, but neither of them are signed long term. Uh, this would just be basically replacing Ed Oliver um, in that spot. So I was looking at wide receiver help. I didn't really find a wide receiver that I liked here. They could go corner, but they've already addressed that position. Uh, it doesn't seem like they were going to re-sign Ed Oliver either. So I, I was kind of talking about the Buffalo Bills early with Joe Shane and the New York Giants, but obviously the brain trust of all four of the head coach and GM, there's a lot of connective tissue there. Okay, people are going to say, well, if you're going with Mozzie Smith, why not go with Kalijah Kansi? Because even at Oliver, who is, let's say, quote-unquote, undersized coming out of Houston and almost being that penetrator along the defensive line, Kalijah Kansi might be more of that type of the upfield disruptor. Yeah, and I wanted to make a point in this mock draft. I don't think Kalijah Kansi is going to go as high as people think. Okay. Like, I think he was a fun NFL Combine freak, but he is so small, like very, very small. And I think some of these uh, defensive line coaches are going to be like, um, well, what happens when they run the ball at him? It's yeah. not going to go well. So He might be more Milton Williams than he is Aaron Donald. Yes. You know, And I loved Milton Williams, but that was a you know second, third round selection. Yeah. Versus, round one's different. Then we're talking about round one and even top 15 overall. And I'll, I'll say this, like Aaron Donald has that ability to ad lib against the run because he's a one of one. Uh, Kalijah Kansi, when you run at him, there are definitely some weaknesses and he might have to try to ad lib. And it doesn't typically go as well as it does when it's someone like Aaron Donald doing it. So yeah, the other thing about the Aaron Donald stuff is Aaron Donald put on approximately 900 pounds since coming in the league and is one of the most jacked guys you've ever seen. Like you also have to make that projection too that Kalijah Kansi is going to come in the league and all of a sudden look like the Hulk. I really like Kalijah Kansi though. I mean, uh, you know me and my interior disruptors with uh, flexible hips that can work around heavy, heavy foot offensive alignment and he can definitely do that. Okay. Cincinnati Bengals had one of these guys in the past and Geno Atkins who are they taking here at pick number 28. I'm giving them Dalton Kincaid. I do not think Irv Smith is going to prevent them. I think Irv Smith is a rotational player, has never really been able to stay healthy, or has never really produced in any way. Dalton Kincaid, I think, has the potential to be an elite receiving option. He caught 16 passes against my Trojans, obviously, since he's kind of recycled some of their uh, tight ends. Um, but I think that they're looking... Uh, just kind of give them a little bit of cushion if they have to get rid of T Higgins in a couple years, or if Tyler Boyd's not going to be out there, if they don't have the stud running back like Joe Mixon anymore, I think that this would be a good weapon, massive need for them. And I think Dalton Kincaid uh, still Daniel Jeremiah has him inside his top 10 overall player. Right. So um, I think he's going to be a first round pick. He didn't test because he had a back injury, um, but I think that he is a, a decent athlete still. And I think that his receiving proudness um, is going to be good enough to keep him in round one. Yeah, a lot of people look at just immediate needs and forego next season's needs. I think the Bengals are one of these teams that have started to look ahead as well, as we saw last year with Dax Hill, who then has taken over for Von Bell in the starting lineup because they knew that they were going to lose him, and also Jesse Bates. You yep. know, so that might be something to look for now that they're consistently drafting in the late twenties. Uh, the Bengals to do that. 
Um, Kincaid is an interesting scenario, though, because I think he was expected to be back healthy in like February and then for his pro day. And neither of those have happened. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if there are some teams that like, hey, we really need an athletic profile on you. And if we don't have it, your grade might match one of these other top tight ends versus him being unanimously the top one of the group. Mm -hmm. Yep, so. I, I, th- he is the tight end three in my mock draft. I think he has a chance to be the tight end one still. I think his range of outcomes are kind of all over the place. New Orleans Saints pick number twenty nine. Fine, I'll go Kalijah Kansi here. Okay, the drop the drop falls. I didn't want to get too bold and take him completely out of the first round. The problem with the Kalijah Kansi stuff to New Orleans is he's super small, and every single defensive lineman, including edge rushers, they're looking for some size there. Now, the problem is the Saints are so desperate for defensive line help right now. Like Cameron Jordan's 34 years old. This was already with Cameron Jordan healthy. Um, this would already be the worst edge group that they've had in years. I was trying to find an edge rusher, but like Will McDonald is a very small edge rusher that I'm not sure would fit that build, and he's supposed to go a little bit later, so... I think this is a tough spot for the Saints. I know that they want to find defensive line talent. I'll have the drop fall for Kalijah Kansi here. Yeah, they did take Peyton Turner a couple of years ago in the first round, but obviously that hasn't panned out how they wanted it to. Um, they have two new starters at defense tackle from free agency and Nathan Shepard and Kalen Saunders. Um, they've lost Shy Tuttle, who was more of like a hold your ground type. And obviously Kansi is much different than that. I mean, the saints are in such an interesting scenario, but I would say where they have focused so many of their resources, they're probably set at the moment in terms of their left tackle, their center, their right guard and their right tackle. And hopefully interest Pete can play, you know, all 17 games at left guard too. Yep. 30th, the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think that this player is going to go first round, but I think the Eagles in this mock draft go with Jalen Hyatt. He would be their third uh, wide receiver, so he doesn't biased. have to be. He doesn't have to be. Uh, <laughs> you are so biased, volume guy. I mean, who, who do you want me to put in here? There's a bunch of like players that like. Uh, you want freaking Jameer Gibbs in round one? Do they go with a offensive tackle? I already gave them one there. There, they have edge rushers. You want Will McDonald, uh, Felix and Duque Uzoma, who aren't supposed to go round one? Do you want Brian uh, Bresse or whatever his name is? Like. They have some options here, but like they're all the same to me. So let's talk about Jalen Hyatt. So we actually have something to talk about. Okay. I would give them Adi Adi. Why not Adi Adi in round one? He's a freak of an athlete, which yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles care about exponentially. And he can be that outside to inside player that they love as well. They also love production. And he doesn't have it. <laughs> so let's give him Jalen Hyatt, who had one season of production in a super okay. funky offense. I would put the Eagles top two, probably number one in how much they value analytics and they also have eyes. They also have eyes. Yes. Same thing with Adi Adi. I think, I think, I think that Jalen Hyatt is more likely to go round three than he is round one. Yeah. I think he's going to go round two to be very (laughs) clear here, but I'm, I'm pointing out that the Eagles their number three wide receiver is no good right now. And Jalen Hyatt would be able to stretch the field for some of these play action shots, would not have to be in the number one role here. And the analytics focused Eagles love early declares, very productive from the SEC. This is a, this, there is a match here at least. Do you just want to tell the people that you are extremely biased towards Jalen Hyatt, who you think is fantastic in the NFL? I, I think oh. this is one of these scenarios where the NFL might not like him as much as you do. Yeah. Um, 
I have a second round grade on him, so this is even higher than what I think. So this okay. is not my bias. I think he's going to go around two. There's the, at a certain point, these guys are at like positions that, that they don't really value, um, and I think the wide receiver position is one that they do. Question: Could the Eagles be a team so after they you know trade away Zach Ertz to maybe reinvest in a double tight end instead of you know that number three wide receiver in someone like Sam Laporta? I think I think it's possible. I I would put the odds at Sam Laporta's second contract uh, more money than Jalen Hyatt at about 30%. So I would still take Jalen Hyatt. Okay. So you want Jalen Hyatt here, even though I tried to talk you out of it. He's not going here to be completely clear. Great. That's what we look for in mock drafts is where players are not going. Uh, 31 overall Kansas city chiefs in the final pick of this mock draft. Okay. Left tackle, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. Um, he can play some right tackle. I'm curious to see if Juwan Taylor, who played right tackle for the Jaguars, if he's actually going to play left tackle or if that's going to be rumors. I think it's just going to come down to is which player they draft here. They need edge rushers. They need receivers. They need another offensive tackle here. Anton Harrison, I think, is a good scheme fit for him. Um, yeah, so that's going to round it up. Interesting. Okay. I mean... I did like the reports immediately after free agency that, oh, Jawan Taylor's going to play left tackle because I think that was super smart by the Chiefs to say that because then that doesn't lock them into a spot that they're still searching for. It's almost that like ambiguousness that people really do uh, appreciate during the draft because they're just much more difficult to uh, to predict now. They're also more in search of wide receivers now than they were even a year ago at yep. this time. Yep. But Jalen just Hyatt. none. <laughs> you are. <laughs> it's not going to be Josh Downs. All the other wide receivers went. Like, who'd, like we have to find a wide receiver. Remember how, how crazy the wide receiver run was last year. Obviously, those players were much better. I completely agree with that. But yeah. they were going even earlier than we all thought. Like, what, it was like five in the top 23 picks or something like that? Yeah. Um, there were no centers drafted in the top 31 overall picks. I think yep. that that might be a distinct possibility. One does go there. Go John ahead. Michael Schmitz is the one yep. that is rumored. Yep. Um, but interesting. H how do you feel after your first foray in a video of top 31 overall? Um, I think I pretty much nailed it, especially that uh, Jalen Hyatt pick. Yeah. Th at the end of the draft, we're still a couple weeks away from like solidifying this. I have some names in here. I think like Hendon Hooker's in the mix. Gibbs is in the mix. Dewan Jones, right tackle, like literally the biggest person on the entire planet. Uh, the guard is Osiris Terrence uh, or Torrance, uh, John Michael Schmidt at center, Brian Bresse, the, the defensive tackle. Then we have a couple edge prospects, a couple linebackers that are rumored to go. And then it's like Kelly Ringo, Cam Smith, Emmanuel Forbes at corner. So this is the mix. This is going to look so different a week from today, and I'm really excited to do it. Uh, my big takeaway is you and I have a blood oath and a blood bet between who's going to go earlier in the draft, Jalen Hyatt or Adi Adi. And uh, we know we know where I am. Are you cool with that? Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Adi Adi, Adi, Adi. it is. This is insane. So for those of you on the channel, thanks for joining us. Obviously, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notification bell as well so you know whenever we post a new mock draft. And go and check out the rest of of the profiles on the channel of wide receivers, of quarterbacks, of running backs. We're going to have a slew of them, even more than the 12-ish we have on the channel at this moment, dropping nearly every single day. Shout out to producer Weaves for helping us with all those. And shout out to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time.